Oh, well, good morning, good morning, good morning. Um, there is going to be women's prayer at uh, 10.15 following first service. So, ladies, if, uh, if you feel called to be a part of that prayer group, um, you can hustle on down in time to grab a cup of coffee and a fistful of donuts before you head into the... Oh, wait a minute, that's men's prayer. <laughs> uh, girls are so much better than boys, aren't they? You know, I mean, it, it's, and the young boys will be like, no, they're not, girls are stinky, you know. And then the older you get and the wiser, hopefully, that you get, you realize, oh, my goodness gracious, mercy me, you know. You ladies are, and I'm not trying to, you know what I mean? I don't care. You know what I mean? I just, I, I don't care what people think about. Uh, you guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. The, the ladies are, are, are really the glue, man. I'll tell you what. It's like anybody who uh, talks about the, the, the study of Scripture when it concerns the family unit, the family structure, and how God has established different roles for the sexes within the body and within the, within the family. Uh, anybody who, who would suggest that that's a, a, a sexist uh, thing, it, it, it ain't paying attention. And ain't paying attention. And when the Bible talks about the, the women being the weaker vessel, uh, it doesn't mean weak as in the sense of not useful for much. You've got to be careful because it'll get broken easy. It's speaking of a treasure. It's speaking of a, of a Ming vase. That's the, that's the weaker vessel, and that's how husbands are supposed to treat their wives. And she's a treasure. She's a great treasure. That's why, that's why Jesus Christ compares marriage to his relationship between uh, him and the church. You know, Jesus Christ himself tells the parable of the man who found a great treasure in a field. And so he went out and he sold everything that he had in order to purchase the field so that he might purchase the treasure as well. Uh, and certainly Jesus Christ did that. He purchased the entire world by dying on the cross. You know, when we get to the book of Revelation in about 12 years... Um, <laughs> When we get to the book of Revelation, and remember John is uh, on the day of, on the Lord's day, he's on the island of Patmos where he's been banished for the word of God. Uh, some traditions say that he was boiled in oil, uh, put in boiling oil, and he survived. And they, well, what do we do now? He survived this, and so then they put him on the island of Patmos. And I don't know if that's true or not. I don't think it makes a difference. Um, but goodness gracious, Right. Uh, and, and on the Lord's Day, here's John, he's, he's at least banished on the island of, of Patmos, and maybe he's covered in scarring and burning from head to toe, and he's in the spirit on the Lord's Day. You know what I'm saying? Like, wow, that kind of faith and that kind of commitment that my circle, this is where, this is the goal. This is the goal uh, that every Christian should have in mind. When we read through the scriptures and we study the lives of the Old Testament saints and the New Testament saints, but for me particularly, those New Testament saints, those apostles, and, and so many of the, of the believers down through church history who were, who were perfectly willing to give all, up to and including their lives, and they did it with thanksgiving in their hearts because they just saw it as a, as a sacrifice to the Lord and that he was worthy of that sacrifice, that their lives belonged to him. You know, there's that idea that they didn't count their lives, count their lives as being precious. They didn't count their lives. And there's that great verse that says, whoever seeks to, to spare his life or to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will gain it. And, of course, Jesus Christ isn't specifically talking about giving up your life in the, in the form of martyrdom. Martyrdom. What's he talking about? He's talking about offering. You say, what the heck are you talking about? He's talking about, he's talking about offering. 
So when the, when the ushers come down, and you know, and it's, we do it every Sunday, so it gets to be humdrum. But every single time that the, uh, that the ushers come down and they pass out those plates, it's, it's not a, well, time, time to give a tenth. Give a, you know, there's nothing in the New Testament to talk specifically about a tenth. And heaven forbid that we would put some sort of number or some sort of regulation on what it is that the Lord would call you to give because it may not be any money. Maybe the Lord has offered or has asked you to give something more than your money. Maybe God has uh, asked you to give something of your life or of your, of, your, of your family or something that he's impressed on your heart, and it's just easier to give money. But the idea here is, is that we would always, every single day, be seeking to offer up our bodies, the Bible talks about, as a living sacrifice, which the apostle goes on to say, which is simply our reasonable service. That's simply our reasonable service. And, and again, it's, it's not something to be taken uh, as a guilt thing. Or, I guess I haven't been doing it the way I'm supposed to be doing it. No, it's, it's that Lord God caused something to happen inside of my heart and caused something to happen inside of me where there's nothing of me and there's nothing in me and there's nothing about me that I'm not saying, take it. Just take it. It belongs to you. Just take it and use it. Would you, would you give this for me? Yes. Would you give it? Yes. It's yours anyway. You see, that's the, that's the idea of offering. And that's the idea of saying, thank goodness we don't have to walk a bull. You know what I mean? Down the aisle, okay? You know, get out the long knives, you know. Time to put, this was bloody, bloody, bloody work. Bloody, bloody work. And day in and day out, these sacrifices came. Leviticus chapter 1, let's start with, verse, with, with prayer first. First things first, Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name and we bow before you, Lord. We ask for you to speak to us, to speak to our hearts, and to speak into our lives through your holy scriptures, Lord. Have your way in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Leviticus chapter 1, starting with verse 1. Now the Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tabernacle of meeting. Now most people, most scholars, what they believe is that Jesus, or that rather God the Father, was speaking to Moses from that mercy seat within that holy place. And remember, God talks about the fact that there would his presence be. And he would allow his spirit to dwell there between the cherubim on the mercy seat. See, this is beautiful picture we have of within this holy place. You had the, you had the outer courts, and you had the, where the sacrifices were made, and then you had the inner court, and then you had the, you had the holy place, and then you had the holiest of holies. In the holy place, again, was the table of showbread. There was the altar of incense and there was the menorah that gave light to the holiest place or the holy place and then in the holy of holies the only thing in there was the ark of the testimony uh, in which was the tablets of the of the ten commandments that were put in there and so you had this idea that in this most holy place where god presence dwells what's in there there's the commandments of god remember what jesus christ said he said there's not one jot or tittle that were passed away from the law until all things are accomplished that means a punctuation mark don't even seek in your life or in your heart to try to erase the crossing of a T or a dotting of an I or a colon or a semicolon or a comma or parentheses from the law because the law remains intact. The law was established by God because it is his good word and it's true and we will either live by that or we will die by that. Now watch what God does is he takes that law, he takes it, and he puts it within the holy place where his presence dwells, and it goes inside of the ark of what? The testimony. How many of you have always called it the ark of the covenant? Why? Right? 
because of Indiana Jones. <laughs> I mean, really. What a great movie, by the way. I'm going to go home and watch it again today. I love that movie. But it's the Ark of the Testimony. What testimony? The testimony of God. The testimony of the nature of God, of who he is. And here's our God. Here's what he looks like. He is all of justice. And he is all of judgment. And he is all of what is righteous. And all things. And all people. And everyone from every time period throughout the history of mankind will stand before the judgment seat of God one day. And will be held accountable the basis of which sits on the law. But then that law was taken and it was put within this ark of testimony. And over the top of that, that law, that testimony, that covenant of law, which the Bible says the apostle teaches is contrary to us. It's against us because it's contrary to our nature. Like Paul talks about, I thought I was doing great with the Ten Commandments. Like, all these things I have kept. And then I got to the part where it says, thou shalt not covet. And it slew me. It slew me because at some point in time, Paul's reading the law that he'd read for so many years and the Holy Spirit impressed upon his heart that Paul, I'm not talking about artward works. I'm talking about the fact that within your heart, if you want, if your heart desires something that's not yours to have or not yours to do, you've sinned. You've sinned and the law has been broken. And when the law is broken, there has to be Judgment. And Paul says, it slew me. And so within this ark of testimony is the law, and over the top of the ark of testimony, what does God place there? The mercy seat. And he says to Moses that he's going to appear and he's going to speak to him from between the cherubim, from the mercy seat. From the place of mercy. And so what God is saying to the people and what God is saying to all mankind for all times is that I am a holy God and I am a righteous God and I am a just God and all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so you cannot come into my presence because no one can be in my presence and have sin in their hearts and live because I am the living embodiment of righteousness and judgment. And you're fallen. So I'm going to speak to you from the mercy seat. Now it was contained in the most holy place and no one could go in the most holy place except for one time a year when the high priest would go in there to sprinkle the blood of the lamb on the mercy seat to make atonement for the people. One time a year and everything had to be perfect. That priest had to be washed just right. He had to be clothed just right. His own sins had to be atoned for. He had to be perfect before the Lord according to the law. Or when he went in there, he too would die. And that's the place from which God speaks to Moses. From that mercy seat. Now Moses is standing without and is, he, is God impressing this on his heart in a very real way? Was God speaking in an audible voice? That we don't know. But here's what he says in verse 2. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When any of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of the livestock, of the herd, and of the flock. If his offering is a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own free will at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. And then he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement before him. 
He shall kill the bull before the Lord and the priests, Aaron's sons, uh, excuse me, and the priest, Aaron's son, shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood all around the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And he shall skin the burnt offering and cut it into its pieces. The sons of Aaron the priest shall put fire on the altar and lay the wood in order on the fire. Then the priests, Aaron's sons, shall lay the parts, the head, and the fat in order on the wood that is on the fire upon the altar. But he shall wash its entrails and its legs with water, and the priest shall burn all on the altar as a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. Now, this is not specific, a specific sin offering. Okay, this is an offering of free will. This is not something that's owed. This is not something that is being offered specifically for a sin. We're going to get into uh, the Levitical law and the different sins and the atonements that had to be made uh, for, for, for different sins. This is a free will offering. Uh, and notice what God says to Moses. It says, he shall offer it of his own free will of his own free will. And the idea here is this, with this offering, that, that the assumption can be made that the atoning sacrifices for specific sins in his lives and in the lives of his family members have been made for, have been made. Those sacrifices have already been offered. There's been a sacrifice already for the sin, for specific sins. This is just an additional thing. This is a free will thing. In spite of the fact in spite of the fact that the sin offering has been made, Lord God, I realize I still am far, far short from your glory. And yet I want to have fellowship with you. I don't just want to be forgiven of my sins. I mean, if that's it, my goodness gracious, it's like taking a trip on the greatest, grandest uh, you know, cruise line ever in the history of mankind, like a floating city. There is, you've been, if anyone ever been on a cruise, and I've only heard because I get violently ill on water, but, you know, the, the smorgasbords of seafood and just, I mean, and there's activities and there's shows. Imagine a person getting on that, that ship, walking up the ramp, all right, whew, all right, family, let's get to the hull of the ship. And then they go down into the inner workings and climb into a closet and sit there for a week. Isn't this great? Who loves boat rides, kids? Raise their hand. They're like, <laughs> you know. Imagine such a person. And yet, and yet, here we are as believers in Jesus Christ, accepted into the kingdom, and how impoverished, how pauperish, to think that all it, the only thing that all of it is for is that my sins might be atoned for. Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and he's atoned for my sins and so I, I'm, I've asked him into my heart and so I'm forgiven. I'm going to heaven now and, and I'm grateful and I'm thankful for that. That's okay. Oh, that's what it means to be a Christian. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. God has so much more and there's so much more. God wants fellowship. Remember, when God created the heavens and the earth, and he created man and woman, and he put them in the garden that he had created. Remember, it says that in the cool of the day, God himself 
would come walk with them and have fellowship with them. And that's what was lost on the day when Adam and Eve fell. That fellowship was lost because they could no longer be in the presence of God. God. They could no, I almost said God. God. <laughs> it was old school. It, you, they could no longer experience that sweet fellowship with God because of their own sins. And so God's perfect will for atoning sacrifice is not just to cover our sins. Our sins have to be covered. Yes, they have to be covered. But God's heart and God's desire is not for you to just be covered. So I guess we can let them in, Gabriel. You know, let the, let the show. No. His perfect will and his perfect heart is so that relationship and fellowship with him might be reestablished. When we talk about the communion that we share and that this is literally a meal that Jesus Christ wants to share with us. And that when we take that, if we receive it in faith and we believe that this is something that Jesus Christ said, when you do this together, you do this in remembrance of me and knowing that where two or three of you have gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of you, we are literally sharing that same communion with Jesus Christ that he shared with his disciples. And if we were to think, well, it's not real because he's not physically here, we miss the boat. We miss the boat. Because the spiritual, what really makes everything go round in this world, my friends, is spiritual. That's why Paul talks about in the, in the, in the letter to the Ephesians, when he talks about our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Hello, church. What's your struggle? Well, jerk, he's being mean. My neighbor mows half of my lawn. He thinks he can put the, and then his, his guy and the boss are where. That's not your struggle. That's no struggle at all. The struggle that I have is with evil, with spiritual things. And in within my own heart, the darkness that can creep in there. That's my struggle. Listen, if I take care of that, if I can have, uh, uh, have victory in my heart with that spiritual darkness, then when the person cuts me off or if the person's mean to me or if the person does this or the person does that, that that's, no, that's no battle at all. That's one of those people. That's just how people are. But you, but you look all around you and how do you see people act? The tit for tat, right? I mean, the, the, it is unbelievable. They got me, so I got to get them back. This is where even the religion was. That's why Jesus said, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, turn the other cheek. Do good to those that spitefully use you. But this is not our nature. That's not our nature at all. That's something that comes through having fellowship with God. And a filling of His Holy Spirit. My goodness gracious, if we left it at, my sin's been atoned for, and that's what this is all about. Oh my goodness. How sad that must make the heart of the Father. He wants full fellowship. And what that means is, guys, he wants in. Any of you who are married, when you met your spouse and, and you, know, you decided you were going to spend the rest of your life together, what you were saying to one another is, I want in. I want in. You know, I hear people talking about, yeah, I caught my wife snooping on my phone the other day. I'm like, what's the problem? When I come home from work, because I'm an oaf, right? 
So I come in and I'm just like, da, 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 you know, and, and Nikki wants me to talk to her about stuff. She wants to hear about my day. She, I already, but I already did my day. You understand what I'm saying? I already did my day and I'm past that now. Can't we forget it? You know, Jesus takes the sin as far as the east is away from the west. Can't you do that with my day, honey? <laughs> no. She wants to know. But I either don't talk or I'll say like three things. She's not getting the whole story. But she knows one place the whole story is. <laughs> On my phone. So Nikki will look at Facebook and she'll look at Instagram and she'll l listen to my voicemails and she'll look at all of my texts. And it's not because she doesn't trust me, I think. We have been together. We have been together long enough. And there has been a, a faithfulness between us for all these years that there's never a day that Nikki walks around thinking, gee, I hope Frank's not out there being unfaithful to me. And there's never a moment that I think that of her. But she wants in. She wants in. She wants to know everything about me, everything that's going on with me, and me with her, for the most part. You know, guys, right? Some of the stuff, it's like, uh-huh, oh. And, uh, and you're like, God help me, I don't care about any of these things. You know what I mean? I just, I, but I love, you know what, you know what we know, guys? Like, I love you. I love, I kiss That's what we know. You know, and it was a, what's for dinner? You know what I mean? Very simple. Got very simple. Father's Day's coming up next week, and it's like, yay, you know what I mean? Great. You know, Nikki always says, oh, great, another day for you to do whatever you want to do, like every other day, you know. <laughs> yay for Father's Day, you know. <clears throat> Mother's Day, I better come correct, you know what I'm saying? Because something's going to happen on Mother's Day. Nikki wants something to happen on Mother's Day that doesn't happen usually, right? And that is, she ain't the one doing the laundry. She ain't the one doing the cooking and the cleaning. She's being taken care of, right? And that is the only time in our relationship, God, she, her soul is so sweet, but she will kill me dead if I don't take care of her on Mother's Day, and rightfully so. But God wants in, Guys, he wants fellowship with you. He wants to know you. And that's, listen, if I really want to know you, if we're husband and wife, and I really want to know you, that means the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's all of it. If I really love you, I love you for who you are. And who knows you better than your creator? He knows your risings and your fallings. It's not like you're keeping a secret from him. You ever be so silly? We, we do this kind of stuff, don't we? Like, like, well, I can't pray because that'll open the portal and he'll know what I'm thinking. <laughs> really? Einstein, he already knows. So you just come before him and you just go, hi. <laughs> it's me. I know. <laughs> and he knows it all. And he says, and I, but I love you, you see. And so I want you to come into my presence and I want you to come in, in, into my presence with fellowship offerings in your heart to give to me your life to say, Lord, all of that it is and just work in me and, and change me and mold me and make me as you see fit. But in the meantime, Lord, just be in my heart, just be in my life and be a part of what goes on in my house and be a part of my family's lives. I want this fellowship with you. And that's all he wants is fellowship with you. And the atonement goes along with that. The atonement in Jesus Christ is yesterday, today, and forever. It was the same yesterday as it's going to be tomorrow, guys. Regardless of what you've done. Regardless of what you've said. Regardless of what you've thought. 
just enter into fellowship with him. Remember the Keith Green song, Jesus takes care of the rest. He'll see you through it. Yeah. And Jesus takes care. You know, I love Keith Green. 70s, like super corny. I love Keith Green. But he's got this whole song uh, about going through and telling, you just be obedient. You just do those things that I've called you to do and be in my presence. I'll take care of the rest. I'll take care of all that stuff that you hate within yourself or you know that's not right in your life. You just be in fellowship with me every single day. Hey, Lord. Mm, you know, hopefully today will be better than yesterday. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah, hopefully it will. But fellowship. And so here goes uh, the Lord telling Moses when they offer this. It has to be of their free will. It has to be them saying, this is not something that's required of me. This is something that I want to give. Well, then why does God say that it has to be the very best? Shouldn't he be happy with whatever I give him? could relate this back to Mother's Day, right? <laughs> well, oh, you should be happy with a card and my love. You know what I mean? Why does God want the very best? Because he only wants that which comes. Okay, you ready? He only wants that which comes from a true heart of worship and fellowship. And if you truly understand the nature of God, if you truly have fellowship with him, and you understand who he is and what he's accomplished for you, you will want to give nothing but the best. And so God is saying, if that's not where you're at, if that's not where you're at, don't bother. Don't, you don't have to bring the bull. You don't have to bring the sheep. And it goes down in, in, in order of people who are rich all the way down to people who are poor bringing a turtle dove. You don't have to bring this one. But if you're going to bring it, this is how it has to be. Let us never pretend or think that we're having fellowship with God in a pretentious way. When really we're not. When really we're not all there. When really we're not coming before him and saying just everything. That song we sing, oh, if more of you means less of me, take everything, you know. And immediately our heart goes to, oh, great, he's going to take my house, he's going to take my car, you know what I mean? No, it's our lives. Take everything. That fellowship God wants, it has to be of our own free will. It has to be. But he wants you to have a heart that the very best that when this guy was raising this bull, when he would come out and he would check it out, man, look at that one, look at that calf out of the herd. Man, that thing is mint, you know. And it's like, you know, you ever go to the, 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 the fairgrounds for the dairy, the show where they show cows and stuff like that? You know, they give, and they, they, Nikki's, Nikki's cousin, they, have, they, had, they did show cows. You win prizes for like this gorgeous cow. There's, that's a thing, right? A gorgeous cow? Looks like a cow. <laughs> okay. But no, these, this was a completely agricultural society. You understand what I'm saying? Every single day was prized cows. That, that one right there. You might go, well, I, uh. that one right there. They knew intimately. It was a part of their every single day life. You see that one? Whew, that one's special. That one's, look at the legs. On, boom on that thing. And the hooves are perfect. And the horns sweet, perfect. Everything. Wow. Mm, it's got, man, I'm, I'm going to kill that thing. You, you what? You're going to kill it? That's the very best you have. That's the very best. You show it. You make money. You offer to breed it. Blah, blah, blah. No, you don't understand. You don't understand. 
That's the very best I have. And I can present it to God. And I, I can take this bull. It's just a bull. But I can bring this and say, God, look. Look at this thing. Wow, what a specimen. Take it. It's yours. I get to do this. I get to give him the very best that I have. He gave it to me anyway. The Bible says clearly, doesn't it, that he owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. It was never mine to begin with. Imagine if we could fully, fully grasp that idea and that concept. That nothing we possess was ever ours anyway. And so that when God would ask of it back from us, up to and including a life, that we would be able to say, they were never mine anyways. Pastor Bill Gallatin, when his wife, Rosemary, who was us, an actual saint, <laughs> and we were all saints and Jesus, she was a saint, when she died and she went to be with the Lord, like two days later, he's in church up at the pulpit, and he goes, well, can you believe it? My wife left me for another man. Pastor Bill, how could you? How could you? He gets it. He really gets it. She was never mine. And because I love her so, there's no greater thing than she could ever experience in her life and in this life or the next than standing before her Lord. And she's with Jesus now. And that brings me in the midst of my heartache joy because she was the very best the very best that he had blessed me with and I was able to say she's yours wow what a heart don't you want that kind of fellowship I want that kind of fellowship with God I'm not there yet I might be a click or two off you know what I mean but man oh man I want to have that heart when the Lord would ask something or I would see something on the altar that I wouldn't walk by and go, hey, that's supposed to be mine. Mine? Oh, oh, oh. Mm. Awesome. Awesome. And he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. It's interesting because this is the same kind of thing we see when hands were laid on uh, somebody who was going to be sent out in the service of the king. You know, when they were anointing someone to, to, to start a church, or to be a pastor, uh, to, to be an evangelist, the church fathers would lay their hands on him. And, and, and literally it's going back to this right here. Well, here's my life as an offering to you, God. That's why elders, there's a laying on of hands by the elders when someone's put into ministry, when someone's put into service. Because it quite literally is this, that this person's life, and in my mind, you know what I see? I see the early church, this is before Paul, I see the early church fathers when they're saying it's not right that we should wait on tables. We have to commit ourselves. There's not enough time in the day for all the Bible studies and prayer that needs to be done. We need to, fit, we need to find seven men known to be full of the Holy Spirit for just the work of laying, uh, of, of waiting on tables and taking care of people. And as they laid out their hands on them, what they were saying was, is that this person is yours, Lord. This person, all of who they are and all that they have and every gift and every talent is an offering to you. And I just picture in my mind them putting their hands on Stephen. Putting their hands on Stephen and saying, Lord, he's yours today. 
Lord, he's yours today. Take him and use him as you see fit. Having no idea that God was going to use Stephen and he was really going to be offered up as the very first martyr within the church and that God was going to use him to stand before the Sanhedrin and to mightily, mightily proclaim to them the good news and the gospel and the truth of Jesus Christ. And his life was going to be given because of it. And you remember, don't you, as they rent their clothes and gnashed their teeth because of what he said, because it was true, and it pierced them into their hearts, and they drug him out of the place to put him to death. And as they're stoning him, and the stones are hitting his face and smashing his head apart, it said his face shone like an angel. And he said, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man sitting at the right hand. That's fellowship. That's fellowship. God willing that that would be us. That that would be our hearts anyway. That we would seek to give it all to him. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you, uh, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege that we have of, of worshiping you, Lord. And Lord, we know that you desire intimate fellowship with us, Lord. That you desire to, um, you desire us to offer up our, our, ourselves, our lives, our hearts, everything that we have, everything that you've blessed us with, Lord, back to you. Uh, Lord, not, not because you seek to take anything from us, Lord, but because you seek us to be in full fellowship with you, Lord. Help us to understand these things. Help us to think about these things, Lord, to talk about these things with our families, uh, Lord, and to have this in our heart and this understanding, Lord, knowing that the inconveniences, Lord, the hurts, all the, the stuff that goes along with being in this world, Lord, are just absolutely meaningless, uh, Lord, if we have the peace, your peace in our hearts. Father, and we have fellowship with you. Lord, help us to get there, we pray, Lord. And I pray that you would use us. I pray, Father, that you would have your way in our hearts and in our homes, at our workplaces, Lord, and, and certainly here in our church, Lord, that you would use us as you see fit, that you would raise us up for ministry, Lord, that your spirit would move us, uh, and we would begin to see things happening, Lord, in, in individual lives. People's lives changed, people's homes changed. And because of that, new people brought into the kingdom, Lord, brought into the faith, brought into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to be who you've called us to be, Lord, and dwell within our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you.